You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fan-Sided Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up very shortly later in this episode. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today there is uh, a couple things to talk about in the international basketball front uh, regarding Team USA, another exhibition loss, and then some other former, or not former, current Timberwolves in action um, over the past couple of days as well, or I guess on on Monday. Um, and then also, I want to get into some outside-the-box trade ideas, primarily shoring up the Timberwolves defense, right? I mean, there's a couple things that we'll see to improve this offseason very clearly. That's shoring up the outside shooting, shoring up the perimeter defense, and really uh, across the board defense, as well as rebounding. Um, and they can do that in any number of ways at really any position on the court. So a couple of outside-the-box trade ideas that I had where the Wolves could make some some moves maybe on the edges to to improve the roster and, and solidify um, the team that they're building around Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, and D'Angelo Russell. Um, so I want to spend actually most of the show on that here today. All right. Uh, as always, a quick reminder, you can follow or subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. That, of course, includes... Uh, iTunes, as well as Google, Spotify. Um, you can also listen on the new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey spelled A-U-D-A-C-Y. And follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves and also at Beacon. That's two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right. Um, international play, we're still a week and a half or so away from the start of the Olympics. And uh, Team USA, of course, lost in their first exhibition game on Saturday to Joshua Cookie's Nigerian squad, coached by Mike Brown, the longtime NBA coach. And the U.S. lost by three to Nigeria on Saturday. Both teams were back in action on Monday for their second, each of their second exhibitions. We'll start with Team USA just because that's that's the headline here. Team USA lost again, this time to Australia. And of course, there's no Wolves players involved, unless you want to count uh, Ben Simmons, but uh, no Wolves players involved in this game um, bet- between the Team USA and Australia. Team USA continues to have cohesion issues. Um, you know, Damian Lillard and Kevin Durant were both okay in the first game. They were both much better. Clearly the two best players on the court for Team USA in this one as well. They combined to shoot 10 of 20 from three. They were the top two leading scorers. Lillard had 22 Durant had 17. Nobody else had more than 12 for Team USA. In fact, Bradley Beal at 12 was the only other player in double figures. Jason Tatum only had eight. Um, the the fourth leading scorer, fifth leading scorer was Keldon Johnson, who was called up from the select team. And of course, is, is Coach Popovich is, uh, is a member of his Spurs team. He had seven points in 13 minutes off the bench. Um, it, it really... It's it's cohesion issues and and it's a little bit of a of an easy thing to lean on when you look at uh, at at past years. This is what Team USA has always said when they lose to international teams is that these other teams have played together since they were kids and that's it's that's by and large true and it's a legitimate excuse. Um, and, and the other thing, which is obvious again, and we're already kind of kind of building in, or I shouldn't say we, Team USA and and generally speaking, the people covering the Olympics and these teams are kind of building in this narrative of these teams have played together forever. Also, there's a lot more NBA players on these teams than usual. That's 100% true. And I, I would say that they are both legitimate reasons. However, reasons why the US could lose. But 
I mean, you look at the NBA players on Australia's roster, Aaron Baines, Patty Mills, Matthew Dellavedova, Dante Axa, Matisse Teibel, uh, Josh Green. I think that's it. I mean, you can't tell me that a team with those guys as their best players should beat a team with Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard, Jason Tatum as their best players, right? Um, and again, the U.S. is going to get the guys in the finals, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, uh, Chris Middleton will all join the team and they will be big parts of this rotation once the finals are over. But it, I mean, you can't tell me that a team like Australia should be favored to beat a team like the U.S. And they won't be and the U.S. will be favorites and, and they should be in every matchup. Um, but then you fa- I guess then once you factor in the, fa- you know, the fact that they played together and also the there's always this surge, I'm sure, for other for teams playing against the U.S., you want to beat the favorite. It's the same reason why the defending champion in any sport always has the target on their back, right? The U.S. always has the target on their back. So you combine the fact that you've got a handful of legit NBA rotation players, the teams played together for a while, and then the target on Team USA is back, and it makes sense why the U.S. could lose some of these games. But still, it's absolutely jarring to see Team USA lose yet another game, consecutive exhibition games, and I believe they've lost four of their last five games going back to their seventh-place finish in the World Games in 2019. And yes, there's more turnover on the Team USA roster than there is on Australia or Spain or Argentina or any of these other teams. And Australia is very good too. It's not quite the same as losing to Nigeria. And we'll get to them in a second because they're also obviously a great story. We have to give them respect for what they've done so far, again, in exhibition play. But losing to Australia there and, and the U.S. did play better. It's not it's not a shameful loss, right? Australia is good. They're one of the teams that's expected to be competing, certainly for a medal in the Tokyo Games. But I think jarring is probably the best word. I mean, I mean, people who have grown up watching Team USA on the international stage are going to have to get used to other countries being beyond competitive and, and genuinely beating Team USA um, at times. Uh, still, Team USA is going to be considered the favorites to win the gold. They shouldn't be losing consecutive games. They shouldn't be losing four out of five, regardless of roster turnover. And uh, we'll just have to see what Coach Popovich does as they try and turn this thing around here less than two weeks out from the start of the actual Tokyo Games. The other notable international game was between Josh Akogi's Nigerian team and the Argentinian team. That includes Leander Balmero, of course, one of the Wolves' 2020 first-round picks and very likely a Timberwolf this season um, here in the Twin Cities. And then also assistant coach Pablo Prigioni, who holds the same role for the Wolves, of course. Uh, and Argentina was blown out by Nigeria, which is which is a surprise. Um, Argentina's maybe not quite what they've been in previous seasons, but they've still got a couple of NBA players. They've got Luis Scola, who's somehow still playing, a longtime NBA player. They've got Facundo Campazzo, the Nuggets player, coming off the bench, Leander Balmero. And they're consistently a very good team. And Nigeria, they've again, they've actually got more NBA players on their roster now. So maybe it shouldn't have been that surprising. But Josh Akogi is is a big part of that team. Gabe Vincent, Precious Achua, KZ Akpala, um, Jaleel Okafor comes off the bench. Uh, Chimizi Metu comes off the bench for this team. Ekpe Udo, of course, the long-term NBA player. So there's a number of guys with NBA experience and current NBA players. And uh, Nigeria won this game 94-71. to 71. Josh Akogi was third on the team in scoring. He had 10 points and four of seven shooting and has played point guard a, a decent amount of the time um, for Nigeria. And, and the, the problem they gave the U.S. was the athleticism on the perimeter, their ability to both cover on the perimeter and also play pick and roll and dribble handoff games so well against Team USA. 
And uh, Argentina just couldn't keep up with Nigeria in this game. Uh, Argentina was five of 27 on threes. Not that Nigeria was much better, but uh, five of 27 on threes. They shot just 36% overall from the field. And uh, I should note that Bomero had a solid game. He actually led Argentina in scoring in only 15 minutes. He was like sixth on the team in minutes, but he was first in points, 10 points on seven shots, got to the free throw line, had a couple of nice finishes that you can find on Twitter. Uh, a couple of nice, or there was one really nice lefty finish um, and just appeared to be more confident and aggressive than maybe some of the time, you know, certainly when he was drafted last year, he had a much better season this year in the EuroLeague than the prior year. Um, but when he was drafted, a lot of the clips of him looked kind of tentative and you could see the, the, uh, the, the talent certainly. But over the past year, it really seems like like he's gotten more opportunities both with his EuroLeague team and now with Team Argentina. And this experience for him playing against NBA caliber players is going to be really invaluable for him, especially if he just does decide to come stateside this year. Okay, uh, I want to jump into some of the outside-the-box trade ideas. Again, these are completely my ideas, um, but but guys that I think the Wolves could target that shouldn't cost a lot on the trade market. So we'll get into that next. First, though, this week's Michelob Ultra Player of the Week is none other than Giannis Attentacupo, the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks did start in a 2-0 hole or an 0-2 hole, I should say, and uh, before winning game three the other day, and now they're down 2-1. But Giannis has back-to-back 40-plus point games and was after game one. Remember, he was doubtful headed into game one with the knee injury, the hyperextension that he suffered in the Western Conference, excuse me, Eastern Conference finals. And he was fine in game one. He had 20 and 17, which is, is better than fine, but he didn't quite look himself. And he uh, in, in game two, he doubled his shot attempts. He had 11 field goal attempts in game one. Game two, he shot 15 of 22 from the field, 11 of 18 at the free throw line, 42 points, 12 rebounds, three blocks in that game. And then in game three, the victory, the 20-point win at home over the Suns, he had 41 points on 23 shots, 13 of 17 at the free throw line, shot it much better from there, 13 rebounds, six assists. And so in over the course of the finals, including game one, when he was clearly still very banged up. He's averaging 34 points, 14 rebounds, nearly five assists, and nearly a block and a half and a steal and a half per game, shooting 61% from the field. And he's seen his free throw percentage tick up a little bit from where it's been earlier in the playoffs. He was in the 40th, 40-ish percent earlier in the playoffs, and he's up to 65% so far over the three games in the finals. So across the board, Giannis is playing better. And obviously, if the Bucks are going to have a chance, still down 2-1 in the series, and the Suns having a ton of momentum and and basically not losing much at all over the, cor- the course of the playoffs, uh, I mean, the Bucks need Giannis to do Giannis things. And the other thing is, people are getting so comfortable with Giannis doing Giannis things that it's easy to overlook this. And so I think, and Brooke Lopez said something to that effect in the media, I think on Monday or after the game on Sunday, but uh, Giannis is, is going to need to keep doing what he's doing. And when he's when he's doing this stuff, you see the joy, the happiness, the enjoyment, the flexing that Giannis does when he's playing well on the court. We're seeing all that from Giannis. Uh, as Michelob Ultra would remind you, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. At just 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Giannis Attentacupo is this week's Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Let's also talk about our friends at Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me, just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. 
Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. The Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams, including Real Madrid, as well as elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and hundreds of thousands of other customers. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Right now, get your Gen 4 Theragun today. Theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. All right, let's go ahead and jump into some outside-the-box trade ideas and and defining this as outside-the-box basically because these aren't, you know, we're not talking Ben Simmons, we're not talking Bradley Beal, we're not talking even Miles Turner, Demonis Sabonis, some of these bigger-name guys that the Wolves could theoretically go after or, and probably will, certainly will go after um, to try and, and pull off a blockbuster trade that's going to have to include Malik Beasley or D'Angelo Russell or or something, some combination of, of large salaries. These are more moves on the on the fringes of the roster. And, and I've said before, and I'm on record as saying multiple times, that I, I don't think the Wolves will be able to do much in this regard. I, I think it's going to be exceedingly quiet and that they won't make any moves at all outside of you know signing some two-way guys and undrafted free agents, maybe squeaking into the second round somehow, et cetera. Or they're going to do something massive, like a Ben Simmons deal or a Miles Turner deal, something along those lines. Um, but if they do something on the fringes, the most likely candidates to be traded are Jarrett Culver, who's got you know a couple years left on his rookie deal, depending on if if the Wolves or another team pick up his team option for year four, which they have to do this fall. And his salary is kind of right in that you know it's a little bit much. It's you know he's because he was the the sixth overall pick, he's expensive. But at the same time, there's some veterans that are on deals that could be included in a swap. Maybe it's Culver in a second round pick for, uh, you know, one of these guys I'm going to talk about. Those types of things are, are pl- these types of trades are plausible because of Culver's salary and also his relative tradeability. Now, I, I don't think Culver has trade like across the board, all things equal trade value, right? I think that you have to find the right team that would take a chance on Jarrett Culver because at his salary and what he's done so far, it's not a no-brainer that a team's going to say, yeah, I'll take a flyer. You you have to be, it has to be the right situation. It has to be a team that says, okay, we could use his perimeter defense. We feel like there's something there offensively. Or it could even be a team that's rebuilding that says, we'll take a we'll take a lottery ticket on Culver, and we think we can make him into what he was supposed to be as the number six overall pick. Now, to be clear, he's only two seasons into his career. He's 21 years old. So I'm not writing off Jarrett Culver forever. I'm just saying that the trade value is not, all that enticing. And the Wolves already have, but because some of his skill sets redundant, right? The Wolves have a perimeter defender in Josh Okogie that is a better player than Jarrett Culver right now. Offensively, Culver was kind of that lead guard creator type player. The Wolves now have D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards, who they didn't have when they drafted Jarrett Culver. So Culver is, uh, you know, expendable isn't the right word, but the Wolves would trade him if they could get something of value, anything of value in return that's going to improve their roster. Um, so, all that to say, these that's kind of the framework for for where I'm, you know, why I'm coming up with these trades. I'll start with a couple that are maybe a little bit honestly less likely just because of the situation more than anything else, but would be great fits for the Timberwolves. Also, I, I should note that this article is partly inspired by a Bleacher Report piece called One Surprise Trade Target for Every NBA Team from a few days ago, uh, and that was by Grant Hughes at Bleacher Report. And I'll start with the player he actually has listed for the Wolves, um, and, and I don't think this is a likely trade to happen quite frankly, but Matisse Thibel of the Sixers would be a perfect fit for the Wolves. It, I just don't know why the Sixers would trade him to Minnesota. Um, 
Thibel is, of course, a, a disruptive wing defender. Um, he's only two years into the league. So the same draft as Culver. He was the 20th overall pick that year out of Washington. And I guess he would add to the Timberwolves, uh, their stable of Huskies from the University of Washington. Of course, Jade McDaniels and Jalen Noel both played there. Um, but Thibel is a defense first guy. He's not a lockdown defender per se, but he's a really disruptive team defender. Um, and steal rate is impressive. The block rate for his position is, is outstanding. He can guard really three positions pretty seamlessly and, and you know, even some fours uh, depending on matchups. So, I mean, he would be an outstanding fit. Think of him as as a shorter version of Jared Vanderbilt, who's actually who who has a solid offensive game. He can be an offensive contributor. He's not by any means going to handle the ball, can you know uh, distribute. He's not going to create his own shot. But as a spot up shooter, he's decent. He shot thirty three percent overall over the his past two his first two seasons in the league from beyond the arc. And you know, more than half of his shot attempts do come from three, and that's kind of what his game is. Is he's going to be he's He's the three and D guy who doesn't quite have the three point shot to that level. Uh, But I mean, consider the players the Wolves have plugged in on the perimeter over the past couple of years in the name of adding some perimeter defense and hoping they can make enough open threes to make them playable. Travion Graham a couple of years ago, Josh Okogie's the best and most recent example and best current example. Um, But to provide some semblance of defense, the Wolves have done that. They've plugged in a guy who's a bad shooter on the perimeter. Thibault shot 35.7% as a rookie from three. So he's not... I mean, he was 30% this year, but there's something there, right? He's at least a passable perimeter shooter. And and that makes him a, a worthy trade target for the Wolves. The question for me is, is why would the Sixers trade him? They're a contending team. He's a great fit for a contending team. He wasn't a starter for them for most of this last year, uh, but he's a rotation guy to be sure. Um, and what, did, what would the Wolves have that would entice the Sixers to do it? He's probably not worth giving up a future first round pick when you don't have a pick this year. I don't know that that would, entice the Sixers either because they're not a rebuilding team. They're trying to contend unless they think they can uncover something with Jarrett Culver and the Wolves attach a pick. I think that's really unlikely. Maybe it's Josh Akogi, but then at that point, why are you making the trade if you're the Wolves? Um, and also Thibault as a late first round pick, his, his salary is not, you know, he's actually around the same pick number as where Akogi was selected by the Wolves a few years ago. And so the salaries are close to working out. I, I, but again, that's a shuffling a shuffling the deck type trade for both teams. And why would the wolves, you know, attach a pick to give up another asset? So I, I, this is a tough one for me to see, but he is the type of player the wolves should go after. And there is, you know, maybe this is as trade talks are happening between, you know, we had the report yesterday from, you know, Dave Moore reported late last week that Gerson Rosas spoke in person with Elton Brand, the Sixers GM. There's the obvious Rosas, Daryl Morey connection. So maybe this is a name that comes up over the course of the trade conversation. Maybe it's a bigger deal where Thibault gets included with Simmons and the Wolves send an additional asset. That's always a possibility, but this is the type of player that would fit really well with what, with what Minnesota wants to do. Okay. There's a couple more players that I think the Wolves may have a better chance at landing on the trade market that are again, kind of on the fringes moves. We'll get to them in just a second. First though, reminder, today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for you for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why would you endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person at the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com, both at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. 
Why would you spend 30%, 50%, even up to 100% more for the exact same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourself customers for over 20 years. The prices at Rock Auto are reliably low for every single customer. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Okay, a couple of other players that the Wolves could look at to improve, uh, maybe not as much the fringes of the roster. The rotation is probably the better way to say this because they would be rotation players. One is Darius Baisley of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, he's another guy, same draft class as Thibault, same draft class as Jarrett Culver. Um, so he's only, he just turned 21 this summer already, and he's two years in the league. The scoring went up dramatically from year one to year two, almost three times as many points per game, but that's simply an opportunity thing. Uh, I mean, the Thunder were a playoff team with Chris Paul, remember, in, in the bubble year in 1920. Then this last year, he started 55 games for the Thunder, averaged 13.7.7.2 rebounds per game, but his shooting percentage stayed below 40%. He regressed from outside the arc as he shot more threes per game. And, you know, offensively, he wasn't impressive. Defensively, though, he may have been a little bit underrated for a bad Thunder team, a team that wasn't good defensively. Um, his defensive rebounding rate was solid. The Wolves always need help on that end of the floor. And he's theoretically pretty switchable defensively and, and can guard a couple of different positions. It's hard to say what his trade value is. Remember, the Thunder are still rebuilding. So if they if he's in their plans, there's no reason for them to trade him. He's, again, got two years left on his rookie deal if they pick up the option. He's 21 years old. The staff's familiar with him. So there may, there may not be any reason to move on from him unless it's more of a roster balancing thing. And maybe they're the team that could take a chance at Jarrett Culver. The salaries don't match. So the Wolves would have to include a Jake Lehman or something like that to make it work. Maybe they're also including a pick to make it work, which would be just a, a complete admit admittance from Gerson Rosas that he messed up in acquiring Jarrett Culver. And, and eventually he's going to need to to do that, right? He's going to need to find a trade suitor and make a deal, including Culver. So to trade a guy that was drafted sixth and, you know, plus another asset to acquire a guy who was drafted 23rd in that draft would be a hit to the ego, I guess. But if the Wolves feel like Baisley could fill the Jared Vanderbilt role, if they can't keep Vanderbilt in restricted free agency, Baisley could do that with some upside. Um, now, he's certainly not a better prospect than Jaden McDaniels, who's plays a similar position and is, um, you know, I would say a better defender right now. Uh, it was a draft pick just last year, has an extra year on his deal compared to Baisley. So there's a little bit of redundancy there, but Baisley's not quite, you know, he's not the same player as Jaden McDaniels. Um, and the Wolves, we know that they're trying to, they like acquiring, kind of accumulating these switchable bigs, um, these guys that can guard multiple positions and have offensive upside, athletic ability, et cetera. And Baisley fits that mold uh, to some extent. So he could be an interesting uh, target for the Wolves, depending on the Thunder's view of him as a, as a potential uh, trade candidate. The one that I like the most is not at all in line with the last two, which both included third-year players. This would be for an old friend, and that would be Chris Dunn, who actually only played one year in Minnesota after being, uh, I think he was the sixth overall pick. Uh, take that back. He was actually number five because that was the year when Buddy Heald and Jamal Murray went right after Chris Dunn. But Dunn only played one year in Minnesota as basically a backup point guard, I believe, to Ricky Rubio before. Yeah, it was Ricky Rubio because it was that summer Dunn was included in the trade to Chicago for Jimmy Butler. 
Dunn had a couple of really strong years in Chicago, had some injury issues throughout, has really throughout his career. He actually only appeared in four games this year with Atlanta. He was hurt at the start of the year and wasn't in the rotation at the end of the year, but he signed that free agent deal. It was a two-year deal with a, a team option for year two, um, or excuse me, a player option for year two. So he's on the books for $5 million next year. I would expect him to to pick that option up since he barely played this year, and it'd be tough for him to get more than $5 million on the open market most likely, at least a multi-year deal. So if he stays in Atlanta, his salary is right at $5 million. So trading him for Jarrett Culver is completely plausible given their contracts. Um, the other thing that that gives this some legs is that the Hawks, just from strictly a could-this-get-done perspective, the Hawks did have some interest in Jarrett Culver prior to last year's draft. This was after Culver's rookie year. There were tons of rumors about about Culver and the Hawks, most of them were about the Wolves' interest in John Collins and interest in swapping draft picks with the Hawks and kind of moving around within the draft last year because both teams had multiple picks. But uh, the Hawks also, we know that they were interested in additional perimeter defense. And and there's been changes there, obviously a coaching change. uh, The front office, I guess, is largely the same as it was a year ago. But, you know, nine, 10 months ago, the Hawks were a, a potential suitor for Jarrett Culver. No idea how they feel about that now. Obviously, the team themselves went all the way to the conference finals this year as currently constructed, but Dunn wasn't really a part of that, and the Hawks could use some additional perimeter defense. So maybe the Wolves can attach a second rounder or something like that, a future pick to Jarrett Culver, and maybe Jake Lehman gets involved and the Wolves take back another smaller piece or something to kind of, again, roster balancing more than anything else. Remember, the Wolves don't have, I mean, Ricky Rubio's on an expiring deal. Um, and so they don't have another backup point guard. They don't have a third point guard. Um, perhaps this is insurance in case Rubio is traded later. Maybe this is a deal that would get done if and only if Ricky Rubio is traded and the Wolves don't have a backup point guard. Dunn is a backup point guard in this league. At $5 million, he's pretty good value. He was one of the league's best defensive point guards over his career in Chicago. Even just going back two years when he was able to stay on the court, he was fantastic defensively. He's a better defender than Ricky Rubio. Now, he's an even worse offensive player than Rubio. Dunn brings basically nothing to the table offensively. His field goal percentage is better, um, but he's not. He's a worse perimeter shooter than Rubio for his career, um, and he had a terrible last season in Chicago from the perimeter. But uh, there's at least still maybe theoretically a little bit of upside depending on how he comes back from some of these injuries. You know, he's still 27. This will be his age 27 season, um, just turned 27 this spring. So I... I think this could be an intriguing thing, especially if Rubio ends up getting moved in a different deal. Dunn could be an outstanding trade target, assuming Culver is not moved. So say Rubio is traded in a deal that brings back a Ben Simmons or brings back a Miles Turner. Maybe Chris Dunn's a target to trade Jarrett Culver in a pick to get Chris Dunn or or Culver and Lehman or or whatever that needs to be. I guess that would be too much money, but maybe there's a piece they get back from Atlanta in a deal like that. Um, where they could take back Chris Dunn, he becomes the backup point guard. They've got their Simmons or their Turner or whoever else. And this further kind of uh, shapes the roster into a, a more defensive-minded, hard-nosed, switchable team, uh, right? I mean, you've got your offensive-minded guys and Russell and Towns and, and whoever else, and maybe you're acquiring defensive, your star that you're acquiring is a Turner or a Simmons who's defensive-minded. You get Dunn in the mix. And you're able to kind of rotate through some of these guys and always have a couple of strong defenders on the floor at any any given time. Um, so this would not certainly be a blockbuster move by any any stretch of the imagination, but it's absolutely a possibility depending on what happens over the course of the rest of the offseason. So moving forward, I'm going to identify some of these potential kind of on the fringes, outside the box trade targets, especially when it comes to, to shooting, because that's the other area. Shooting and rebounding are the other two areas, I guess, outside of 
perimeter defense and, and general switchable, versatile defense for the Wolves um, that they need to continue to shore up. And so moving forward, I'll, I'll identify some trade targets for the Wolves to try and, and help their offense and their rebounding as well um, here as we move through the offseason. All right, that's all I have for you in the show today. We'll be back, of course, tomorrow on Wednesday, which will be uh, game day for the NBA Finals. Game four is on Wednesday evening. So we'll talk about that and some other stuff on Wednesday. Be sure if you're not already following the podcast that you do anywhere you listen to podcasts, that includes iTunes, as well as Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and of course, the all new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey spelled A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and at B-Beacon. That's B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. A reminder that today's show is brought to us by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Lockdown Wolves is, of course, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves Podcast, and we'll catch you next time.